It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show. It is Monday. Thank you for listening. 3 to 6 p.m. every day. Even on weekends with the free podcast with Bonus Benson, our website, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is available there and elsewhere every day, seven days a week, on demand, no charge to you, totally free. And we appreciate all of you who listen live or on the podcast. So I just want to quickly take a moment to congratulate my cousin, Emma, who got married over the weekend in sort of rural Maryland, beautiful part of the state. Whole family came in from all over the place, and it was a really pretty outdoor wedding, very autumnal. The color scheme of the wedding was autumnal, which I liked. The leaves were all changing. There was a slight chill in the air, but it wasn't too bad. And then it moved in for dinner and dancing indoors. But it was just a wonderful time. And she looked amazing in her dress. She and her husband exchanged handwritten vows that were really beautiful. And on a slightly political note, my cousin's immediate family on my dad's side, they are quite progressive. They are far, far to my left, I think it's fair to say. I am much to their right. But the groom's family tends to lean more my direction. And there were some references to this over the course of various toasts and speeches during the weekend, all in good fun and all in a positive spirit, which I love. And ultimately, everyone was beaming and a few tears were shed of happiness across both sides of the literal aisle at the wedding because these are just great people. And may they have a wonderful marriage and life together. And it was just a great day. And I was privileged to be there along with Adam and my whole family is just great. So cheers to Emma and Max. We're thrilled for you guys. We love you. So that was my weekend. You may have noticed toward the end of last week on the program, Quiet Wyatt, our assistant producer, was even more quiet than usual. That's because he was, in fact, not here. He was on vacation. He went out to California. I know this will come as a shock to regular listeners. He went to Disneyland. This is a Disney-obsessed individual. He gets it from his family. We've discussed this on the air before. So I know producer Christine has questions about Wyatt's quick California jaunt. My first question, though, for you, Wyatt, is given the choice, why would you go to California and Disneyland as opposed to the land of freedom and opportunity known as Florida and Disney World, which is, if I recall correctly, bigger and has many more attractions than Disneyland? What was that decision about? So, Guy, I, also, I just want to state for the record, I'm not a Disney-obsessed obsessed person because when I was there, there were people who were on like a whole nother level of craziness obsession that I just am not on. But um, I, I went to— That's a relative argument, though, <laughs> right? You're still a big Disney guy. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Go on. 
So we, I went to California to go visit my sister because she goes to school out there and she is literally 15 minutes down the street from the park. So she goes all the time, literally in between classes. It's ridiculous. Does she have a season pass or is she paying every time? Yes, she has a season pass. Okay. She can go just about every single day and she almost does. Wow. And she hasn't gotten sick of it yet? Nope. She goes in, you know, gets a popcorn, goes with her friends in between classes. It's like, you know, their playground. I saw one photo of you, I believe, with a turkey leg. Was that a Disney culinary experience? Yes. Well, and Guy, see, like, you know, the the rides are fun and I enjoy them. But, you know, when you get older, some of the rides just aren't as fun as they used to be. And there's roller coasters, which I somewhat enjoy. But the main thing that I've come to just really appreciate and love is the food. And I had a turkey leg. I had ice cream. I had you name it. I had it. And it was amazing. So you were gone Thursday and Friday on vacation. You're back here for the Monday show. You're dragging a little bit today because you made the decision to do the the red eye Sunday night into Monday back from the West Coast. I get the desire to squeeze as much fun out of a trip as possible and spend as much time as you can with your sister or in Southern California or at Disney or what have you. I will say Sunday into Monday when you have work on Monday, especially when you're trying to sleep on a plane upright, that is often a choice that I avoid at this stage. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone, but I'm I'm just a go, go. Cr- I mean, when we went to Disney on Saturday, I literally wanted to be there when the gates opened. Which is like when? 8 a.m. Wow. So it's not, that's not that early. That's early. Uh, I would have wanted it to be 6 a.m. I would have went. Of you course know you would have. And then it closed <laughs> at 11 p.m. So I like, you know, I go, go, go. And so you wanted to be there for 15 hours. Yeah. And I, I mean, like I said, I was there from 8 to 11 and we got on all the rides, did everything. I, you know, relax. You got to pace yourself. You know, everyone wants to do everything at once, but you got to pace yourself. What, what are you doing on like, you know, hour twelve at Disney, knowing that you have hours left to go? I feel like you can probably do Disney in like I don't know six or seven hours and call it a day. This is double that. Yeah, but I mean, like I went on some of the rides twice. You know, and, and sometimes during during the peak hours of the day, there's like huge crowds, an hour wait for each ride. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So you go early, you hit all the big rides, you, you settle down, you have some food, like I said, and then you go back for another round of rides. Have you considered staging a protest outside of Disney demanding an earlier open where you would, you know, write up placards, you know, and maybe like, I don't know, get a Sharpie on your print edition of the Wall Street Journal and let us in. And you could have some sort of Disney-related chance that I'm sure you could think up. I, I'm not Disney-fluent enough perhaps to suggest anything, but would you perhaps try to become a Disney activist and try to impact management and their decisions on the hours for the park for people like you who want to be there, frankly, around the clock if possible? Yeah, and well, a lot how ha- a lot of that has to do with all the COVID restrictions. I mean, Disneyland was closed for over a year, while Disney World, I think, was only closed for a cl- uh, uh, three to four months around there. So a lot of it, and still the restrictions. You know, you have to wear the masks when you go inside. You could don't have to wear them when you go outside. But there are still a lot of tough COVID protocols at the park. Yeah, out in California, where, by the way, 
A strange story, Governor Gavin Newsom, who was recently effectively not reelected, but retained by the people of California in the recall election overwhelmingly, 25 points, something like that. He has not been seen in public for getting on two weeks. I think this is day 12. He was supposed to go to Scotland for the uh, climate event, abruptly canceled that. They're saying it has something to do with a family situation or a family issue. I've seen some speculation that the last time he was in public, he was getting his booster shot. Is he having a reaction to it? I think that's just pure speculation, right? I think that's conjecture at this point. We have no idea what's actually happening, but it is odd for a public figure, a public official like that to be out of sight for that long. So we hope everything's okay there with him and his family. Christine, I know that you have uh, many curiosities here about Wyatt's short trip to California. Did you try to convince him to let you come along? I I think so, right, Wyatt? I'm sure I definitely asked if I could join the trip at some point. At one point, probably. Um, I I just have a question for you, Wyatt. 12 hours in a park? Guy, here's the difference between— No, 15 hours in a park. It was 8 to 11. Okay, this is the difference between Quiet Wyatt and producer Christine. He is such a go-getter, and I'm literally such a no-getter— we spent thousands upon thousands to go to Disney World. We got to the park at like 8 o'clock, and by 1 p.m., Bobby and Megan and I looked at each other, and we're like, we're out of here. It's, an, it's enough. We had a good time. Six hours in, let's go. Let's go back to the hotel and go swimming. Mama can get a cocktail. Would you return to the park multiple days in a row? No, we did at least park to- once. Oh, because there's a few others down. Yeah, you can go to, you know, but every time there was never once we're like, wow, we need to stay for 12 hours because we're having so much fun. But to each their own. Yeah. the, The part that I'm struggling to really understand, because Wyatt is not out in California very often. So I can see it. Okay, I'm at Disneyland. Let's make the literal most of this day that is possible during the opening hours. We're gonna do all 15 hours. That is more than double what I would do myself, but I can I can see it at least. I cannot imagine being Wyatt's sister there with him, who's there every day, and then does 15 hours on a Saturday. That That is, I, I can barely think of anything that I do every day, right? Aside from, you know, like eat, shower, right? There's a few things that I do every day that's normal. I, I feel like there are activities that even I would grow tired of. I don't even drink every day, and I love that activity. As we established last week, because we did have a listener write in who was concerned about your well-being and your health. Yes. And so we had to assure everyone that we sort of play up some of that stuff just a little bit. But, Wyatt, will you be planning another trip back to California because you did not get nearly enough Disney? Or is the next trip to Florida and Disney World? I don't know when the next trip is. I mean, this was my first time in a park in over two years. And part of the reason why I did stay. Was it just a thrill? Were you were you like <laughs> skipping on your way from the car to the gates? Did you have that magic feeling? It was it was a fun time. It was good to be back in the park. But the main reason why I did stay is because the prices have gotten insane. It was $160 to walk in the gate. So I was getting every penny, every dollar out of my experience, and I was you know, like, I'll it. stay there, yeah. You wanted the dollar-to-minute ratio to be as favorable as possible for you, especially in this age of inflation and all of that. 
So, all right, fair enough. To each his own is exactly right. And Quiet Wyatt had the thrill of a lifetime at Disneyland for 15 hours on Saturday. Good times. We're out of time here on The Guy Benson Show. As I mentioned earlier, I've got special report up with Brett Baer in the next hour, probably around 640 Eastern. I'll be on set with Brett for the first time since pre-pandemic. So I'm pretty stoked on that. It's coming up on Fox News Channel. Back here tomorrow on the radio. Same time, same place as always. Thank you and good night. We'll talk to you then. It's the home stretch on this Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in today. GuyBensonShow.com. Well, yesterday on the 5 Fox News Channel, the latest addition to the Fox News family was rolled out on set by Dana Perino. Absolutely adorable. Cut 16. Well, it's time now for one more thing. I have a bit of a surprise. We're going to bring him in here. There's someone for you to meet. <gasps> no way. Yes, <laughs> way. We have a new no the best surprise ever. Caroline Sherwood bringing in this new oh, little guy. This is oh. Percy. 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 He's seven weeks old. We picked oh, him up in Ohio God. yesterday. Oh. Yes. Oh. Um, and that whimpering, by the way, to be clear, was, in fact, Percy and not any of the members of the five. It was not Jesse Waters, despite what some rumors have said. Now, this is the new Vishla that Dana Perino has welcomed into her home with her husband, Peter. As we all know, just a few months ago, they lost their beloved dog, Jasper, who is also from this exact breed. And I sort of wondered, Dana is such a dog lover and pours so much of her life into her dogs, I was wondering, you know, what is the grieving process timeline for getting a new dog? And I think for dog owners who lose a pet, that is different from person to person. And they made their decision to move forward and to get a new Vishla. And Percy made his national television debut just seven weeks into his young life. And they are such cute, beautiful dogs. They really are. And towards the end, I mean, Jasper was a pro. She'd take him everywhere, right? Jasper would appear on television, just often sit there, very serene, very regal, well-behaved. He would accompany her to book signings, often with Peter and just greeting everyone, just a great dog. And knowing Dana, she will have Percy in ship shape very soon. It'll be a very well-behaved, well-trained dog. So I'm very excited for Dana and Peter and just for everyone who loves them. And that dog has a great home. And given how much the Fox audience came to know about and care about Jasper, and when I heard that Jasper had died, I mean, I sent Dana a note. It just, it meant so much to her. And all the outpouring of support that she got It is just something that brings me happiness to know that now she has a lovely new puppy in her life. And then today, because this happened, as I mentioned, on the five yesterday, today, when she was, I guess, near the elevators in the building up in New York, producer Christine ran into this new celebrity and kind of freaked out. Christine, did you traumatize Percy? Did you scream? I 
I hope I didn't traumatize him, but I have to say, when I got on the elevator and I looked over and there's Percy, I really felt like I spotted a celebrity. I I yelled out a little bit like, oh my gosh, it's Percy. And Dana's husband was lovely and said, would you like to pet him? I said, yes, please. And so I got a, I got a couple little pets in and he was whimpering a little bit, but he was, you know, snuggled into his daddy's arms, and I think that he was about to make his second TV debut. So that was exciting. He's he, he's All already because right, he was on uh, he was on Newsroom this morning. I heard that Bill Hemmer held Percy up like Simba in The Lion King. I heard that was a thing that happened. So he did. Uh, this is a dog that many millions of people are going to get to know in the coming years, and I'm just uh, delighted for Dana and for Peter. Now, speaking of whimpering. Christine, you have been now for the last few days bemoaning and decrying some decor advice that you have gotten from your real estate agent as you prepare to try to sell your house on Eyesore Lane, the things that you love to do to your house around the holidays. Uh, this real estate agent is saying, maybe not so much. Let's stay away from it. What has she nixed? How are you feeling about it? She does not think that we should put up any Christmas decor, anything. She was actually surprised there was such a thing as Thanksgiving decor. When I said, should I not put that up as well? She said, I didn't even know people decorated for Thanksgiving. She said, you mean like, what do you have, like a candle or something? I said, no, I have a whole box of, you know, Thanksgiving decor. She said, no, let's, uh, let's leave that in the box. Uh <laughs> You know, we're not really sure how quick this is going to go or a lot of things um, are still up in the air. So she prefers uh, she she seems like very minimalistic and she even kind of like looked at some of the actual decor that stays up all year round. And she said, let's just take some of this stuff off and, you know, just she's less is more. She says, I disagree. I think that um, what I do warms the house. Yeah, but I think it's, you should go with the uh, the professional here. I think that she knows what she's talking about. Sounds like she's doing a good job and she's really saving you from yourself because you could go overboard as you do and potentially turn off prospective buyers. She's saying, let's just uh, have none of that. So are you not going to decorate at all for Christmas? Is this killing you? What about your giant inflatables that you love so much out in the yard? Well, that was a thing. Um, you know, I'm going to if we obviously moved to an apartment, I can't bring all this with me. And I was looking forward to gifting family and friends uh, some of the decor so they could have a little piece of cookie with them. And so the first thing was Sunday, I went to dinner with uh, Judgy Joyce and I offered her the big inflatable on the front yard. You saw it last year mm. in pictures mm-hmm. and she turned me down. She said, I, I actually don't want that. Um, and she said, it, it just, it seems loud to me. And I said, no, the motor's quiet on it. She said, no, that's not what I meant. She yeah. said that No, she meant it's an eyesore. That, that's what she meant. It's an eyesore because it is. And so you had your real estate agent saying no inflatables, none of this over the top seasonal decor. Then you tried to pawn off some of this stuff to your own mother and she didn't want it. I think that this could be a teachable moment, Christine, for Future choices, perhaps. That I some know people it's, in know, my life are ungrateful. Yeah, I'm learning this. No, I think that they are exhibiting good taste. 
your mother doesn't want the eyesore stuff, and certainly the woman tasked with selling your home to the potential, you know, broadest array of hypothetical buyers. I mean, I think that the market, so to speak, is speaking on this front, and it feels like I've kind of been vindicated in my reviews. And again, my reviews are based on descriptions and a few photographs. I've never even been invited uh, to your house, and apparently I never will be. You probably the house will be sold. Yeah, but I have a question. Yeah, at some point soon. I mean, when you have a light up sign of a turkey that says uh, gobble till you wobble. You tell me you're not going to put that up? I would not only not put it up, I would throw it into the garbage can. I wonder if you would actually gift me this inflatable and then someone, I could get like Katie Pavlich to come over and, and literally shoot it and watch it deflate and then we can throw it in the garbage truck together as it goes by. That could be a sort of a fun team building experience if you get invited to the Christmas party. What? We could even gather everyone outside but, at the Christmas party. <laughs> How is that building for the, me up? For the destruction, <laughs> for the destruction of the blow up material. I think that could be fun. And um, how is that helping me? <laughs> well, because you can't have it anymore, as you said. You're moving to uh, you're moving to an apartment, and so we'd be taking it off your hands, and. It would be, you know, a memory. It would certainly be a holiday memory for all of us. By the way, last thing on this, at our house, you might remember last year, our Christmas lights guy just stopped responding and never showed up. Oh, yes. Right? I so forgot we had, about remember that. Remember, we had tried to book him for all this stuff. We ended up doing as much of it as we could ourselves, but we have a pretty high roof line where we had put lights up on the roof line the previous Christmas in 2019. Looked great. We wanted to do the same thing again. And so we got in touch with this same dude. Hey, can you come? Same price or, you know, what's your price? Let us know. And he kept saying, yes, I'll do it. And then he never did. And then finally, we just said, you know, don't bother. It got way too late into December. We didn't want to spend the money for that little amount of time. And so we effectively fired him because I was I was not happy with this at all. The problem is this year, Adam has been reaching out, Googling all this stuff, trying to find anyone who can come and do this for us and perform the service. And again, we're willing to pay a reasonable amount. He's not even getting returned phone calls because I guess there's a labor shortage and all this stuff. And so I'm staring into the abyss. Do we have to maybe reach back out to the guy that we, we didn't have a big like blow up your fired thing. We just sort of parted ways. Do we come sort of groveling back to this person if he's the only person who will do it. But again, even if he says he's going to do it, would he actually show up? This is what this is the dilemma that we're facing right now, because I really want those Christmas lights up after Thanksgiving so we can turn them on by December 1st and enjoy them for the entire month. But it's proving difficult. Christine, I don't know why I'm asking you for advice, but what so, do you think? Well, my advice to you is this is why I take matters into my own hands and I have the decor ready to go. So I don't need to depend on nobody to make my Christmas festive. So you should maybe rethink your you snobbiness. You don't have to depend on anybody. What? <laughs> right, you don't have to depend on anybody, no. not nobody. I understand. I, I can plug that blow up in and here it is. So maybe you should rethink what you No, no, because the thing is that the difference is we want our house to look good and to look classy and not have a giant inflatable... Santa in a bikini with a machine gun or whatever you've got. It's not what it is. 
Is there a Santa involved at least? Yes, there's a Santa, there's a sleigh, okay, there's yeah. three so reindeer. <laughs> it's a close. pretty big it's pretty big. Oh right. And then and then it comes you deflate it during the day and it looks like there's been a massacre of Santa and the reindeer on your front yard. And then they creepily perk back up to life when the sun goes down. Yes. No, that, that's a no. That's a no. I will keep you posted on our Christmas lights situation, and you can keep us posted on your lack of Christmas lights this year per the instruction of your realtor. Oh, it's got to be killing you. It's got to be killing you. It's sort of enjoyable. We'll keep everyone posted on this. I'm sure America is on the edge of their collective seat. Guy Benson Show back here for the Wednesday edition. Tomorrow, same time, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. We will talk to you then. Have a fantastic night. Home stretch. Wednesday edition here on the Guy Benson Show. And we do have an update. Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has emerged. Right, This was kind of this third or fourth tier story about how Newsom hadn't been seen in public for now the better part of two weeks, I think almost exactly two weeks. We started tuning into this a couple days ago. And part of the problem was, and this was based on reporting and journalism in California, including from non-conservative outlets saying, well, Democrats and Newsom's family are bristling at these questions, but the questions are being fueled by the lack of transparency from the governor's office, from the governor himself, right? He's often very visible, out and about doing all sorts of things. He has disappeared from public eye for two weeks. That is unusual. Why is that happening? We're not getting good answers, so people are speculating. And I'm sure some of the speculation was crazy. Some of it may have been more reasonable. But it was a curious thing for the governor of the largest state in the country who loves the cameras and loves to be out in public for him to go away for basically two weeks. It's strange. There were reports that he was showing up for work, right? He was in the governor's office. He was making phone calls. He was reviewing important issues. He also apparently attended a very lavish wedding in San Francisco, officiated by Nancy Pelosi, without a mask, I believe, by the way, indoors. Maybe she was just feeling the spirit for an extremely wealthy couple. Earth, wind, and fire reportedly played at the wedding. So I'm sure that was a lot of fun. I'm sure a lot of spirit was being felt, despite the rules that other people have to live by. In any case, he has reemerged, and he has an explanation of what happened. Foxnews.com has the story. California Governor Gavin Newsom said he abruptly pulled out of the International Climate Change Summit to go trick-or-treating with his family. He went as a pirate. Governor faced criticism in recent days after he abruptly canceled his trip to Scotland over, quote, family obligations. Local news outlet KABC reported that Newsom's trip had been in the works for more than a year. Then on Saturday, the governor sparked further criticism after reportedly attending an oil heiress's wedding officiated, here we go, by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, after a week of no public appearances. During his first appearance since the backlash on Tuesday, Newsom said at the California Economic Summit, this is where he reemerged, that he canceled his trip to go trick-or-treating with his kids and assuage his dad guilt. Quote, it's been a hell of a couple of years for all of us, for each and every one of you, particularly parents. The fits and starts at school, the stresses of balancing your responsibilities at work, also your responsibilities at home. He said this is especially true of a lot of fathers. He's, again, going on here with a quote, I've been on this damn treadmill. 
We've gone from crisis to crisis, from wildfires to extremes, drought, social justice, unrest, obviously with COVID, this recall you may have read about. He said he was out to dinner with his family when his children held an intervention because they couldn't believe, quoting again, that I was going to miss Halloween. He ultimately decided to stay home because the knot in his stomach was too much to bear. I had no damn choice. I had to cancel that trip, he said. He went on to say since he spent Halloween and that weekend with his family, he has since become father of the year. So that's the story. He was gone from the public eye since I believe the date was October 28th because his kids were upset that he'd been traveling a lot and busy and not spending time with them. And now he's going to go jet off to Scotland for another official obligation. And they were like, we never see you around anymore. Please stay home and spend Halloween with us and trick or treat with us. He felt bad. He decided to do it, canceled the trip and spent time with his family. So it was a dad thing. This is what he says. Now, do I fully doubt that this contributed to some of these actions or decisions? No, I, I think that's probably part of it. Right, seems plausible, certainly. Someone who bought this whole thing hook, line, and sinker for sure instantly was none other than producer Christine, who apparently has a soft spot for manipulative Democrats who talk about family obligations and play up family angles to paper over obvious flaws. We all recall that she was a big Andrew Cuomo stan for months during the pandemic. She was one of those people, like she was a Cuomosexual or whatever. Couldn't get enough of him. Isn't this wonderful? She called him My Andy. Like, unironically, My Andy, she would talk about on our show planning calls. Of course, her Andy was forcing seniors into nursing homes when they were infected with COVID, leading to outbreaks and needless suffering, hospitalization and death, then covered it up and lied about it endlessly. And then when the extent of his terrible leadership and his self-serving cover-up was at last revealed it was mea culpa time for christine i can't believe i fell for this my andy was just playing us all along what a horrible thing he did here right this is what christine confessed finally belatedly others could see through it right she was one of those people who was like tuning into chris cuomo's show thrilled and delighted by their conversations about mom's favorite and you know, Italian food or whatever hijinks they were up to while the cover up was underway. And allegedly while he was just like, you know, grabbing and harassing women all over the place. He put on quite a show and Christine was the intended audience for that show. And it worked for at least for a while. So guess what? Today we finally hear from Newsom. It's been a while, as we mentioned, out in California. And Christine, breathless on the call, the show planning call, she's like, well, guess what? He was just being a good dad. You know what? I have to say this. You know, I, I just feel bad now that anyone is criticizing this. And I just think this is great. Is Gavin Newsom now my Gavin, Christine? Um, I, buying this? I, I don't need to say the whole name. It's Gav. Me and Gav. Um, You're Gav. Got it. Listen, if you actually listen to the audio, you will hear something in his voice that actually sounds convincing that he really didn't have a choice. I, if you had to ask me, I think this was more about the wife than the kids. Maybe saying, hey, you know what? You need to spend more time with the kids. And I can relate to that, you know. Right. So no, so I understand why you're saying it's plausible. And again, I'm not dismissing it. And given some of the rumors and conjecture, I'm glad that it appears that he's fine. Right. Because some people are saying maybe he's unwell and, and it seems like he's fine. 
here's the issue, and I brought this up, and you admittedly on the call this morning had not thought of this. So if I have the timeline correct, he vanished from the public eye October 28th, 29th. He had his booster shot right around the 28th, I believe it was, and then was not seen in public, did not do any public appearances at all until today. So that would be the 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, and today's the 10th. So you add that all up, that's 14 days. Let's call it 13 days to be generous. Even if you say every single syllable of that story about his kids and the trick-or-treating, dad of the year, not in his stomach, guilt about being gone, even if every syllable was accurate, and maybe it was, I'm, I'm willing to just cede for the sake of argument, that's all true. That would explain October 29th, October 30th, October 31st, which was a Sunday. What explains November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th? A candy hangover? I really don't know. I ha- I like yeah. like we talked about uh, uh, on the meeting phone call. I-, I didn't think about that because he was so compelling when I listened to him say he First had all, no damn choice. I'm not surprised that part of your hypothetical invented on the fly excuse for him involves a hangover, sort of like a go-to excuse perhaps for Cookie Christine. But I think what you're doing here is you are revealing that you are the mark for these types of catch-all excuses because oh, I immediately – you told it to me. You're like, oh, well, it was Halloween and the kids and the trick-or-treating. I'm like, well, I remember that Halloween was on a Sunday. What about you know the following – let's say he had the, you know, the candy hangover on Monday. What about Tuesday? It is now the following Wednesday, not that coming Wednesday, the following Wednesday. And you're like, oh, yeah, it didn't even occur to me about the 10 days in November. I didn't even think of that because – he was talking about his family and it seemed believable. So, yeah, I, I didn't – it didn't occur to me. It didn't even cross my mind. And that's – again, this is not the biggest scandal of all time. I don't really care that much. He's not my governor. I would have never voted for him in the first place. I wouldn't live in California unless you paid me huge, huge sums of money to live there just so I could afford it. And I think some of the stuff being thrown around on the internet was ridiculous and silly. I do have to say when a politician – goes away, who cannot get enough attention, right? Cameras and sound bites and all of it. He loves that stuff. For him to be gone for two weeks and his excuse involves a holiday that is at best one weekend, okay, that explains for a fraction of the days missed. But I think they're counting on, oh, isn't that sweet? He's doing dad stuff. He's dad of the year. He gave up this work-related activity so he could balance his, you know, his work and his private life, and this is terrific, and then just sort of lose track of the other nine or 10 days. And it worked. It worked for you. So maybe this was a smart strategy on his part. It did. But don't forget, I was also the person that said Anthony Weiner was actually set up with that picture on Twitter. So I'm not sure. I keep getting Wait, hang on. This is something new that I didn't know about. Yes, you you knew about that. I did not know that. You were an Anthony Weiner believer? I did. I thought he was getting set up. Remember, I told you, I thought. You think he, he was hacked when he's yes. like, oh, the toaster got hacked. Yes. You're like, he did get hacked. The toaster did get hacked. Yes. I thought he got hacked and I felt awful for him. Remember, I saw, I told you he was going to be the next mayor of New York City. And the reason I remember I lost a bet. I wanted I don't know if you. Knew well, this. I remember this part that you know. that you really thought he was going to become the next mayor. Some of your instincts are very interesting, Christine. I'm trying to figure this out. And, and here's the thing. So. 
Anthony Weiner comes out with some story about getting hacked. And Andrew Cuomo is putting on this big show with his brother on CNN while he's doing all this horrible stuff behind the scenes. And in this case, Gavin Newsom is explaining two weeks of absence based on two days. And you're like, yep, absolutely. Sounds good to me. But when that poor old woman approached you in your own neighborhood needing help because she was disoriented after dark and couldn't find her house, your immediate assumption about her was that she was in cahoots with kidnappers who were going to show up in a van and drag you away. So ultra paranoid, insane skepticism of a poor old lady who needed your help in your own neighborhood, but just like marching along with a smile on your face and saluting belief of these sleazeball politicians. Why? I have some things I should probably uh, think about <laughs> over the next few days and prioritize because you're right. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I still believe that I was being cautious because you never know if I could have been trafficked. I know I'm 40 and I'm probably not the the age range that people are looking for, but you just never know. I'm a young 40. Yeah. So you assume that the elderly woman. Yes in your neighborhood was part of a vast trafficking scheme targeting you. But but Andrew Andy Cuomo, <laughs> your, just, your Andy's on the up and up. He was just talking about mom's little meatball. That's all he was talking about. You know, I think that when you visit your official paid therapist next time, I know that I'm the unofficial unpaid one, but when you actually sit down uh, with whoever, you know, cookie shrink next time, maybe explore this one. Maybe try to open this box and and dig deep a little bit into the trust issues that seem to be at play here in both directions. I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting it out there. All right, back here for the Thursday edition of The Guy Benson Show. Looking forward to that. 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Have a great evening. We will talk to you then. Mom's a little meatball. Home stretch. On the Guy Benson Show, Friday Eve, here on the program, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcasts always available for free after the show ends. That's on demand, GuyBensonShow.com. So on the home stretch, here's a story that I saw trending yesterday on Twitter. And it was just a perfect home stretch for us because it involves college football, heavy drinking, and politics. So something for everyone. College football for me, heavy drinking for Cookie, politics for all of you. So the attorney general in Michigan, Dana Nessel, she's a Democrat. She is embroiled in, I don't even really want to call it a scandal because I'm going to back up the attorney general, even though I'm sure I disagree with her on most things. To me, this is not really a story. I saw a headline that she had rejected her aide's advice to hire a crisis management team to help her get through this. I'm like, no, there's no crisis. Nothing needs to be managed. Here's what happened. She has put out a statement confirming that she had too much to drink on an empty stomach during a tailgate before a college football game late last month and ended up needing some assistance to leave the stadium because she was not feeling well. Foxnews.com has the story. Other places have it too. She attended the Michigan-Michigan State game at Spartan Stadium in East Lansing. Ended up being a big win 
for the home team, beating their rival, come from behind. That was October 30th, right before Halloween. And she said that she had a few Bloody Marys on an empty stomach and was hurting in the stands. Quote, I laid low for a while, but my friends recommended that I leave as to prevent me from vomiting on any of my constituents. (laughs) She posted a photo of herself holding her head while she was seated in the stands. She left early, assisted as she walked out. Someone used a wheelchair to make sure she could get back to her car. She was driven home by a designated driver. So she even included these photos herself. She said, yeah, her staff had recommended that she could benefit from hiring a crisis management company to navigate what she called tailgate gate, which is pretty good, but instead decided to just tell the truth to constituents. And I think that's the right move. Look, this was a rookie mistake. I'm not sure how often she goes to tailgates. But when the day drinking begins before a college football game, and in my book, it's one of the only circumstances in which day drinking is acceptable. Certainly, like early, like morning drinking. And these days for morning games, because a lot of the kickoffs in the Midwest are at 11 a.m., Back in the day, I would maybe do some tailgating or some drinking. I'm less inclined. I don't really roll in to a tailgate at 10 a.m. and say, oh, yeah, someone please hand me a shot. It's just I'm getting too old for that. But this was a huge game, in-state rivalry, both teams ranked in the top 10, and she made the mistake of having not just drinks but cocktails with nothing to eat. I mean, you got to do better than that, right? You What you want is food right away, right? And it's okay to drink a little bit. It's okay to eat non-breakfast foods at a tailgate during day drinking or tailgating. That's fine. So show up, have a brat, have a beer, even a long drink, a well-placed long drink, now available in Michigan, by the way. Maybe we shouldn't tell her that just yet. Just let her kind of maybe detox for a couple weeks. But long drink is available in Michigan. Maybe have every few drinks some water and make sure that you keep consuming some food. Drinking liquor on an empty stomach during the day at a pace that is too rapid is going to end badly. And that's what happened for this politician. And I think it's kind of funny that she's saying, yeah, my friends are like, you need to get out of here before you puke on your voters. Probably good advice from the friends. So there have been critics saying, oh, this is bad judgment. She couldn't control herself. Is there a problem? Look, if there's some sort of pattern of behavior of getting drunk in public or she might have some sort of a problem, that's one thing. I don't see any evidence of that. This just seems like someone having too much to drink before a football game, realizing it, and having to shuffle away and then go home and sleep it off. If anything, this is one of the more relatable things I've ever read about a politician. And the way that she framed it, I think is exactly right. So like kudos for candor. And based on what I recall about Michigan and Michigan State fans, I kind of feel like this might be a plus 
politically for her. Definitely in Wisconsin. I mean, if, if she got drunk before a Badgers game in Wisconsin, it'd be like re-election guaranteed. They like their cheese and they like their booze in Wisconsin. Michigan, not too dissimilar. So just uh, the advice again to Dana Nessel, the Democratic Attorney General up in Michigan, pace yourself, water or non-alcoholic beverages every few drinks, maybe every other drink, what I typically do, and food. This is some, uh, some silly avoidable errors, some self-inflicted wounds here. And she then missed arguably the best college football game of the season thus far. Maybe Texas-Oklahoma. But that Michigan-Michigan State game was great. And I think if I'm seeing this correctly, she's a Michigan State fan, so she missed a huge comeback for her own team. Their chant at Michigan State is go green, go white. I don't think that they were trying to make it so literal, like turning green for this woman. And not to belabor this too much, but the instinct of all these worrywart, hand-wringing advisors being like, oh, let's bring in outside assistance to manage this crisis. I mean, sometimes you've got a crisis, right? Sometimes you've got a legitimate crisis to deal with if you're a politician. Getting drunk in your free time before a football game, consuming a legal substance as someone who is of age, not a crisis, at least not to be. Now, producer Christine, you strike me as someone who would never make it even into the stadium. What? what? Not necessarily because you were too drunk, just because you're not really that interested in sports. Maybe a little combination of the two. Are you scoffing at Dana Nessel here, or are you feeling, yet again, a strange sense of solidarity with a Democrat under fire? Yes, yes. But I, I have a few things I need to talk to you about with this story. Um, number one. I have never, ever been to a tailgate. Is that surprising to you? A little bit, because it's a socially acceptable forum for day drinking. So I feel like you would gravitate toward them even if there was no game. You might just start tailgates in your own yard. So there's another thing I want to tell you. This is all about the onion. I am not a huge fan of day drinking. I, I like it to be dark outside when I'm consuming alcohol. Remember I told you, um, if I yeah. was going to day drink, my dream would be to sit in a dark, dark bar on a bright, right, in a dark sunny bar day. And do it. Right. Here's what I think you should do. You should go to a football game, NFL or college. Try to convince yourself that you have some level of excitement for the game upcoming. Go to a tailgate. It has to be a good one, right, where they've got ideally – a grill, of course, some accoutrements, some uh, side dishes, Wait, some in, in the dips parking and chips. Lot? Oh, yeah. In the and this is classy lot, to you? And then people, this is, this is football culture. And then a lot of people have TVs, like flat screen TVs and satellite dishes that they set up so you can watch the other games while you're waiting for your game. And then you have some drinks and you have some, perhaps a Coke Zero, for example, from time to time, some water. You hang out with your friends. You, uh, some people will maybe play games like cornhole or bags, right? Or they'll throw a football around. It is a fantastic tradition. 
you get to eat good food as opposed to paying through the nose for bad stadium food. You monitor the other games. I mean, it's a great American tradition, actually. And I'm surprised that you have not found a way to get yourself invited to one of them at some point through the years. I know you're not a big sports gal, but I feel like this is the side of sports that you would actually really like. It's very social. There's food and beverage. You can contribute. There's a plan. You could produce a tailgate, Christine. I feel like this is something that could maybe get you into sports, actually. All right. So then should I just go with you for the next one? Uh, we can look into that. I can I can check my schedule. I think actually that date that you just mentioned, I think I've got a uh, <laughs> dentist appointment. I didn't give a date. That day. Oh. Um, we can, we can figure out the date. Um, okay, but let, back, to, back to poor Dana. Um, I, of course, am going to stick up for her because that's what I do with Democrats. I stick up for them in their time of need. Yeah, but I think what— Yeah, lately you have. I think what the— But ex- except this one, I actually believe this one. Yeah, I think what the attorney general needs— more than, you know, a crisis manager for how she reacted to the alcohol is some sort of alcohol manager like myself. I will offer up my services because, Dana, two Bloody Marys should not get you, you know, <laughs> as the kids say, wrecked. Uh, well, my my guess is it may not have been just two Bloody Marys. That's the one part of this story that I'm not fully, fully believing. Right? I think it might have been... Two, in quotes, Bloody Marys. Yeah, because, I mean, two Bloody Marys to me would, you know, be the shower drink as I was getting ready. that's breakfast. Right. That's just not, I don't think that's what's going to send her into the state that she was in. So, and if it did, then I would work with her on the weekends of building some tolerance. (laughs) This reminded me of Lucille Bluth, by the way, from Arrested Development, where she walks into the kitchen. She's like, I'll have a vodka tonic. And one of her kids goes, Mom, it's breakfast. And she goes, and a piece of toast. There you go. Here's the final quote from the AG in Michigan about this story. Quote, sometimes I screw up. This was definitely one of those times. My apologies to the entire state of Michigan for this mishap, but especially that Michigan fan sitting behind me. Some things you can't unsee. This is a good statement. This is the correct response, and maybe the attorney general can be more judicious, if you will, in her alcoholic intake in the future. And perhaps, yes, rather than hiring a crisis management, she can hire a drinking coach, Christine. Although, I I don't know. I'm not not sure that's the coach you want. What do you mean? I I, I stand with you, Dana, and I'm here to help uh, in any way I can. This could be a new small business. This could be one of your new get-rich-quick schemes. You start a new business called Sloshing Mama, Inc. Sloshing Mama, LLC with Cookie Christine, your personal drinking coach. Although, again, you don't like day drinking, so I'm not sure you're the expert here. I know, but I mean, listen, I will. I can go into day drinking if I want to expand my business. I think my motto <laughs> would be maybe like bottoms up. Uh-huh. All right, why don't you workshop that? And you can talk it over with Bobby tonight. Maybe we'll revisit it tomorrow on the Friday edition of The Guy Benson Show. Same time, same place. We'll talk to you then. Have a great night. Bottoms up. Home stretch on this Friday on The Guy Benson Show. Glad to have you here from West Palm Beach, Florida. 
where it is actually a little bit overcast, but hopefully the weather will clear up over the weekend. I'm here for an event, and I do want to talk to you about food. As we mentioned right before the break, when we were plugging the website, GuyBensonShow.com, the free podcast, Bonus Benson on the weekends, of course, always in demand and always on demand, GuyBensonShow.com. We like to have our food segments. Producer Christine, off today. Maybe we'll have to get her to take this quiz because there was a food-related quiz that I'm going to get to in just a moment, but sort of as a, an introduction, if you will, to that topic, an entree even. There was a video that went viral on social media. It's young people in New York or from New York going and traveling and eating, dining at a Cracker Barrel for the first time and filming themselves eating the various offerings at Cracker Barrel. So these are city kids trying Cracker Barrel, filming it. It's on the Internet. Some people are roasting them for their reactions. Let's just listen together. Cut 27. I've never had a deep fried steak. It just sounds like I'm going to have a heart attack. Uh, this does not look good, <laughs> to be honest. It doesn't look like a steak at all. But I do not know what country fried steak is. It's kind of salty. It's a little bit like a hamburger. It tastes like the worst hamburger I've ever eaten in my whole life. And it went on and on. And look, I'm not here to say that Cracker Barrel is sort of a zenith of fine cuisine, but there's a place for Cracker Barrel, I would say. And that place is just off a highway on the interstate. You're very hungry, and you want to go to an absolutely identical building to every other Cracker Barrel you've ever been to and walk through that little general store and look at all the candy and other little knickknacks and then order extremely affordable food that comes out quickly. I would not want to eat there regularly. I don't think, with all respect and love, I don't think it's terribly healthy, right? So the kids were onto something there. But I also don't think it, it like tastes bad or is gross. I unapologetically like the Cracker Barrel, although it's a once-every-few-years treat. And it is always in the context, for me, of a road trip. A long road trip where you want a quick sit-down dinner and nothing more and some comfort food. That's really it. And they've got the little games on the table, right? There's that one with the little triangle of holes with the sticks, like the little golf tees. That one's always a puzzler. Anyway, some people are saying, oh, this is elitist. This is rude. A lot of Americans love Cracker Barrel, and these kids are, you know, making fun of it or sneering at it. I mean, I don't think we have to go that deep. I think these are kids experiencing a place that they can't really experience in the place that they grew up, and they're checking it out, and they're kind of, you know, mugging for the camera and whatever. I mean, maybe there's like a hint of, you know, what do these weirdos out here in America eat? But... For a lot of people, it's affordable, and it's tasty, and I happen to agree that it's both of those things. And that is the wind-up to this story. Someone sent it to me. It's a food quiz where it asks you a bunch of questions about your eating habits, and it's like, would you want to eat this food or not? And it was a wide array. Right, from like chili, 
hot dogs. I think maybe pizza was in there, and then maybe some the, some higher end options as well. And I have pretty broad tastes, to be honest. I'm not a picky eater. I've never been a picky eater. There's a handful of things I don't like, a small handful, like olives, like olive oil, good. Olives, no. It's one of the few things that I won't eat. Although if it's like chopped up olive in a sauce of some sort, like on pasta, or perhaps even one of the ingredients, let's say on a bruschetta, I don't hate it so much that I won't eat it. But I would not seek out olives, and I wouldn't eat them just like, you know, popping these olives, or even in drinks. Not really a martini guy to begin with. So there's like a tiny, very short list of stuff that I don't like. But the way that they phrased these questions in the food poll was, you know, would you be excited if I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? I took it a couple days ago, but would you be excited to eat this thing? And you just vote on one and then it brings you to the next one and probably maybe two dozen. And then at the end of it, they give you your results, on the food choice test, and I guess they were trying to gauge how your tastes align with certain socioeconomic classes or brackets. So there were upper class tastes, upper middle class, middle class, lower middle class, and lower class. And then they rated how often your selections aligned with each class. And I am pleased to report that the verdict for me was, quote, your food choices could not be tied to any one social class. And I think that's, of course, correct. And I also think it's a little bit ridiculous. Why would someone, for example, who is indigent or poor or on the lower end of the income spectrum, why would that person not like or be, you know, excited to eat, you know, a steak with truffle butter or something, or lobster macaroni and cheese? I mean, what's tasty is tasty. It doesn't ask how often you eat these things. It's like, would you want to? And why would a super rich person, some millionaire or billionaire, not want to eat a hot dog? Or regular mac and cheese. I like both of those things. And so, and I don't know what they qualify as. Do hot dogs count as lower class? Like, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. So I, I'm not necessarily buying into the uh, the science here, or the social science behind this, but I guess it's one of these things where you're curious. And I have a pretty even distribution. I have slightly higher results in the upper class category and the middle class category and then basically from there just a little bit below almost identical upper middle class lower middle class and lower class i think perhaps the reason that my upper class quintile was a little bit stronger than three of the others was i'm a big fan of sushi and like ahi tuna and that sort of thing it's just, it's to my taste, one of my favorite things to eat, right? If I had a final meal, it would probably be an elaborate sushi feast. And I would guess that they're tying that into an upper class preference. 
And because I was saying yes eagerly to all of those types of things, that probably tipped the scales just a little bit. But I'm well-rounded, according to this test. And perhaps based on how much I eat, a little too well-rounded in other ways. That's why I Peloton basically every day to keep it, uh, keep it under control. I'm at a hotel here, and they do, I did check it out, they do in fact have a Peloton bike. So I'm now sort of psyching myself up here after the show to go work off the Wendy's that I had for lunch today. Yep. I had my normal Wendy's, spicy chicken sandwich, extra tomatoes, and a Coke Zero. I am a predictable creature of habit in some ways. I was starving. I was like, oh, there's a Wendy's. Yes, let's do that. So now i got to go pay for it on the bike. Quiet, Wyatt, by any chance, did you take this food choice test? I did, Guy. I did. And uh, my results were 67% lower class. Interesting. So that is a a very dramatic tilt for you. Like, I was kind of even across all five. You had two-thirds of your preferences in one quintile. Why? I, I guess because yeah. you do have pretty simple taste in food. I think that's fair to say. I think simple, and, I mean, I'm a sucker for any fast food or just your traditional cheeseburger, hot dog. I mean, I... You know, I mean, the only thing I think that was considered upper class on that test for me was like lobster or any type of seafood. Everything else I kind of, you know, stay away from. Now I'm dying to know what producer Christine would get. Because producer, you know, she, she sometimes is very predictable, other times not so much. Like I could actually envision a situation where she ends up with, I don't know, maybe a bunch of upper class results which would be hilarious, because I think she kind of considers herself salt to the earth. Was French onion soup on the list, I wonder? We'll have to go back and revisit that, because we know how much she loves French onion soup. The problem is, I'm getting ready to go to the gym, but talking about these things, I'm just getting hungry. Something in my brain happened when I said lobster mac and cheese, then Wyatt said lobster again. I need to redouble my resolve here to go to the gym then i'll have dinner how about that it is friday it is the weekend have a great weekend check out bonus benson on the podcast of course free guybensonshow.com back here for a very busy week next week dc monday florida tuesday wednesday chicago thursday friday that's what's up ahead on the guy benson show but as i said first have a great weekend we will talk to you next week That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.